Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. The panel. 10.23 joining us on the panel today. Mark Watson, how are you, mate? Yeah, very well, Ricardo. All good. Thank you. And Hamish Bidwell as well. How are you going, Hamish? Beautiful day here in Hawke's Bay. Hello, gentlemen. Is it any, ever any different in Hawke's Bay unless there's a cricket game on? Yeah, no schedule. I think India are coming in November. They'll be tipping down when that comes. Yeah, yeah guaranteed, mate. Guaranteed. Uh, gentlemen, we'll get to some cricket a little bit later on, but I wanted to start with this first 15 rugby situation. We talked about it in the first hour of the show. The Auckland 1A schools have decided to ban broadcasting their games in the interests of player welfare. That is the story we're being told anyway. Mark, I know you've got ties with Mags. Uh, you're up here. You're close to the secondary schools game. You've called some of these games. What are, what are you make of the decision and the reasons that we've been given as to why they've made this decision? Yeah, look, I, I did the first two seasons of uh, College Rugby on Sky, myself, Keith Quinn, Ken Laban and Bill Allen, you know, I was there for the very first game, which was Mount Abbott Grammar, Auckland Grammar, and look, I, st- I think it started and had the best intent, uh, very much driven by Ken Laban, it was about celebrating tradition, history, and I guess the purity of schoolboy rugby, but somewhere along the way, I think it has got all muddled. Um, you know, I think it's damaged the reputations of schools like St Kennigan's and King's with this arms race. Um, I'm actually in agreement with it being banned. I am. I think there is too much pressure on these young kids now. But more importantly, part of the reason why I'm not a big fan of it, I think it's actually been detrimental to club rugby. You know, secondary school rugby now seems to the stepping stone to higher honours. And I think the biggest problem with that is that a lot of the kids that are stars at school are just really, really big kids. And club rugby actually takes that out of the equation, you know, size is not going to be a, a good enough factor to get you through. Um, but, you know, you, you know, my wife will sit there and watch First 15 rugby. she'll see the size of these kids on television and she goes, there's no way I, I want my little son playing in that. He's going to get beaten up, he's going to get just monstered. And so, you know, I'm not someone who is politically correct, but I think there's a lot of um, rationale and good reason for why uh, the likes of Pat Drum, the headmaster of Manabit Grammar and others uh, have made this decision. Uh, Hamish, we were talking about this in the first hour um, and we had a, a quite, a, quite a lot of correspondence uh, backing both the decision and saying that you know it, it was a wrong decision that was made. There was a few people pointing out that they thought this was potentially some sort of power play from the 1A schools because NZR in the last couple of weeks apparently have, 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 have tried to take over running schools school rugby. I, I don't know what your take on this is. Mate, I'm in the provinces. I don't care what they do in Auckland. I almost view it as a different country, if I'm honest about it. Um, and I agree with a lot of Mark's sentiments. Um, I, I find putting children on TV grotesque. Um, I think they have enough things going on in their lives, enough pressures, enough fears and anxieties without putting them on display for people to criticise them and judge them. I, I don't care for it at all. Um, I get that there's been an audience for it. I get that it employs people and I've seen Ken Laban quoted saying it's, you know, it's the end of the world as we know it, and that's fine because he makes a buck calling those games. But I don't, I don't think we should be publicising children's sport at all. Um, I think, yeah, I think they've got enough things to worry about. 
do you think... Just, just on that, though, sorry, Ricardo, just yeah. on that, look, knowing Pat Drum and knowing him well, um, knowing the type of headmaster he is, look, I, I genuinely think this is actually first and foremost purely around education. Um, I'd imagine that some of those other schools might have taken a little bit of convincing, but Mount Abergrammer haven't had the cameras at school for the last 10 years. There have been one school that said, hey, we don't want the cameras here. We did a centennial game this year, live stream, but we were paid for that and we were in control of that, and that was simply because it was a centenary game celebrating 100 years. Um, so is it a power play? Yeah, look, I don't think you're going to see some other big television deal come out of this and the schools are going to somehow benefit from it. Yeah, it was interesting, I mean, because you talk about it being from an educational point of view, and I looked at this and I looked at, say, high school basketball in, in the US or uh, the under-18 uh, leagues that they have in the Premier League or in European football, uh, tennis, things like this. I mean, kids at the same age in different sports are being exposed like this, but part of it as educators is that you put in the support networks and the education on how to deal with this around it. So, I mean, much like say, uh, somebody that wanted to be a builder, uh, you know, you give them the extra expertise, whether it comes to workshop with woodwork or tech drawing or whatever it happens to be, don't you just treat this the same as another potential profession and give them those skills around it, Mark? Yeah, yeah, look, I know, look, I I remember talking to Pat Drum and they put a really big emphasis, you know, and it's true at school, they want to make these young men and young women, good people, and they're trying to teach them a whole lot of um, life skills and the way to conduct themselves. And they said the biggest challenge is you're trying to teach them one thing, and then Saturday afternoon, expecting them to sort of morph into this monster, this animal, the moment they cross the white line. And they, and they found that actually quite challenging with a lot of youngsters. But oh, look, I say this. Let's put club rugby on. Let's make that the stepping stone. Let's build that. You know, we've eroded the NPC. We're eroding club rugby. And I sort of have got to the point where I think you know, New Zealand rugby believe, honestly, that as long as King's College and St. Kennegan's are healthy, all black rugby is going to be healthy. And I'm not sure if that's the case, Ricardo. Mm. Uh, I mean, Hamish, I'm not sure about uh, what it's like outside of Auckland on the, on, on the rugby front, um, but there seems to be here that the clubs are basically uh, disincentivised from having teams for under-16s upwards because the push is to have kids play for their schools. And so there is this drop-off uh, and, you know, from kids that have been coming through the age groups, because if you don't play for your school, you don't play at all. Is that something that you've also dealt with in the provinces? Oh, look, it's an arms race, right? So, like, I, my experience is going back a long time. I played first team rugby at Wellington College. We were one of the better teams in the country at that point. We're not anymore because the school doesn't ship people in from Rotorua Taupo, wherever, and, and move their whole family to Wellington to get them to play for Wellington College. They haven't high professional coaches like if you're not creating a professional high performance environment at your school then you don't compete and rightly or wrongly my old school hasn't done that and I I think I'd love to see the heat come out of it I think by it becoming more obscure by, by it becoming something that you can only see by attending yourself I think you take a lot of the nasty stuff out of it in terms of poaching and recruitment and just the pressure that that comes with having to deliver results when you're pumping hundreds of thousands of dollars into it. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a lucrative job for guys who've left NPC coaching and super rugby coaching. They're making heaps of money coaching first of things. And I just, I don't like that model. And I, I agree with what Mark's saying about the rugby pyramid. I think we've got it a little bit wrong. And anything that, that, that diminishes the importance of first of team rugby would be a positive in my book. Yeah, well, I mean, that's and that's the point that I was trying to make there is, I mean, if, if clubs are being yeah, disincentivised to have teams from under-16s upwards because they want them to play for schools, maybe that's something that needs to be revisited, whether it's from, you know, the local rugby union in Hawke's Bay or Auckland or, or Wellington or wherever it happens to be, or whether it's an NZR call, Mark. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah look, look, it's... I remember talking to um, back and talked back on another station years ago, and I had I think it was the coach of College Rifles called me, and he said, "Look, and we were on this topic, and he said, look, one of the biggest problems we've got is we get these kids that come out of these top schools, and they're not actually used to losing. They haven't they haven't lost because they've been in an environment where they're constantly winning. And you know, we were very much pointing the finger at St Kennigan's at the time, but they're not only that. These parents are saying, "Well, my kid's only going to come to your club out of first fifteen if you're going to put him straight into the Premier team. He's not going to go back and start again. After all, he was." the star of the thing, and this is some of the issues that the clubs are having. But also too, you know, you know, in Auckland particularly, we do have a large Pacifica and a Māori community, and those kids do go through puberty a little bit earlier. They are slightly bigger. And what are we doing to cater for the lake developer? If, if you're told that you're not good enough at first 15 rugby, and that's the stepping stone, are you going to stay in the game longer? No, you're not. We're club rugby, and even the under-85s does still cater for the late developer. And, you know, you've got more and more. Where is our locking stocks here in Auckland? Well, I'll tell you where they are. They're all playing basketball. They're all rowing now. Yep, uh, some good points made uh, by Mark Watson. Hamish Bidwell on the panel will continue that after the latest in news and sport with Aroha. The panel. 26 away from 11, the panel with us, Mark Watson, Hamish Bidwell today. We'll get, take a breather from talking rugby uh, for a couple of minutes and talk some T20 World Cup. Uh, Hamish, did you see uh, that Ireland win against England coming? I mean, I know it was um, Duckworth-Lewis-related, but still, I mean, England were far from impressive in that game. Yeah, they can eat those Irish by, you know, dropping Darwood Milan so they could uh, he could through the sandbag England's chase. Um, with a masterstroke. Um I'm delighted. I listen to a lot of English cricket podcasts. They're as smug as you can get. Um, but it, it, the thing that it underlines, and this is something that New Zealand's going to confront as the tournament goes on, is in the short format, you are going to get tipped over occasionally, and I don't think it would be a shock for New Zealand to lose once or twice in the remainder of pool play, and it's going to be a really evenly contested group. You've got England, uh, Australia playing this, I think it's Friday. Like That's going to be massive. There'll be implications for both teams. We assume one will, will miss out on qualifying, but we don't know yet because it depends how New Zealand goes. Like Sri Lanka aren't easy beats. We've seen that, that Ireland are, are good. You know, we still have to play England. It's a, it's a good tournament. And I don't like the 2020 format, but when you reduce the game, you create the opportunity for upsets. And we certainly saw one last night. Yeah, we did see one last night. Um, Mark, I know that the, uh, as Hamish has said, you know, T20 is. It's probably not my favourite form of cricket, but uh, it is seems to be where the money is and where the money goes is where the cameras go. So that's where we're at. What have you made of the World Cup so far? Yeah, look, I enjoy it. I, I think there's far too much T20 cricket on. I don't think there's any legacy uh, a lot of the time with T20 cricket. Like, you don't wake up and uh, a lot of the tournaments in between and you go, well, that's a defining moment in New Zealand sport. We're going to be talking about that for a long time. I mean, you're happy for half an hour, but you don't wake up. You know, for the next 24 hours, it doesn't necessarily unite a nation, but it does when it comes to a World Cup, and particularly when you beat Australia. I still don't think there's anything better in New Zealand sport than we beat the Australians in cricket in a meaningful game. And meaningful game is generally one-day World Cup, T20 World Cup, or any sort of test match. Um, look, it, it, yeah, it, it's it's a you know, any time you shorten anything up, as Hamish said, it's a bit like tennis. If you made tennis just one set, how many more times would Agassi and Nadal and and stuff have lost games and so you know one or two players on their day can take it away from an entire team where I think in test match cricket you probably need to have six or seven you know I mean how what are the implications of that game against um, Afghanistan for us being um, rained out being washed out a game let's be honest I think we would have won um, based on what even what I've just said but yeah uh, look I'm, I'm just thrilled that we've got 
countries like Ireland, it's nice to see Zimbabwe back um, off the back of the Mugabe regime. And, you know, they were just starting to get real momentum, weren't they, in the 1990s and the early 2000s. And what a way to sell cricket if these smaller nations, cricketing nations like Ireland, can get victories over the English. I mean, you don't only got to go to Ireland to realise how much they hate the English. So, look, that's the great thing about sport, isn't it? If you want to grow a sport, go to the big games and win against the big nations and you will inspire the next generation. Uh, this is a slight Schneidenfreud moment here, but I, I, I have to ask it. Uh, Hamish, do you prefer seeing the English rugby team lose or the English cricket team lose? Oh, rugby team. Uh, cricket team, and I loved it that uh, I was watching Owen Morgan, the Irish former England captain, try and give some match analysis after the game, and you can tell he had, well, I don't know which team he was looking to call we at different times, you know, because he sort of, Yes, he captain England. Yes, he's a decorated player. Yes, he was a world champion or World Cup winning captain for them. But he's got to be Irish at heart, and you can tell that sort of coming through in some of his comments. Yeah, indeed, Mark. For you, oh, I just can't stand English rugby, mate. Uh, Any time England rugby lose, mate, I, I, you know, that just soul breaking when they beat us in rugby. Just for the reasons you said about their cricket team, I think they're even worse with their rugby team in terms of the way they talk themselves up. But no, I can handle. England um, winning in cricket a lot more than I can handle England winning in rugby. Mm, all right, let's uh, continue talking rugby then. Uh, New Zealand rugby have officially responded to criticism about the scheduling clash between the All Blacks and the Black Ferns. Mark, um, I mean, is th- we're, we're having to look more and more to countries like Japan and the US um, to prop up New Zealand rugby, especially with South Africa heading north uh, and Australia not being as strong as they once were. Um, I mean, what did, what did you make of this? And is this just a, 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 a you know means to an end in a way? Yeah, look, oh, look, oh, look. This is just this is just a cock up from New Zealand rugby. There's nothing more sinister about it. It's just a dumb mistake. Um, what annoys me is I just, and this is the thing that's annoyed me with this women's rugby World Cup. I'm just sick and tired of the politicisation of it. Everything seems to have some sort of political agenda attached to it, and, um, and it's actually detracted from the game. You know, I'm sick and tired of constantly hearing about oppression and that the relationship between men and women historically has always been one of dominance. Let's just enjoy the women's rugby for what it is. It's a really, really good product. I guess we'll find out tomorrow how big women's rugby is versus how big men's rugby is. Should it have happened? No, it shouldn't have. But if the women's product is as strong as they tell us it is, I'm sure they'll still have a great audience. Um, we all know that the outcome of both games is going to be one-sided, uh, mind you, <laughs> under Foster and the way Japan played at the World Cup. Maybe not, but historically it would suggest that the All Blacks should beat Japan comfortably. You've only got to go back a couple of weeks to realise that the Black Ferns will beat Wales comfortably. Look, I think there's a nice compromise with TV3 putting one game on later and Sky putting the other one on later so that you can technically watch both as long as you're not listening to the radio or following any social media to find out what the result is. Yeah, um, I mean, from your point of view, Hamish, I kind of went... It, it, it was more a bad look about you know where the CEO is going to be more than the fact that there was a scheduling clash because I thought this might be a Japanese rugby union um, scheduling issue rather than a New Zealand rugby one. Look, as long as he's wearing that brown sweater he stole off Adam Scott when he uh, reiterated that Ian Foster was the greatest coach we've ever seen, then uh, I'll, I'll be happy wherever he is. Look, I don't, I don't care about this at all. I don't have Spark. I haven't watched the minute of the Women's World Cup, and I, I'm not going to. Um, Frankly, I'm playing cricket on Sunday and I'll have a few beers after and I'll catch up with probably the All Blacks that I have to for professional purposes later in the piece. But, you know, like useless from NZR, but like let's just take our hand off it. Like we are being absolutely ridiculous, as Mark says, about this tournament and we've got people like Kitty Allen saying that it's a disgrace. Like fair income. 
why would you give some, I don't know why we give these people oxygen. I know she's a government minister and good luck to her, but I don't care about those people at all. I don't care about their opinions on sport particularly. And I just, yeah, we seem to want to confect controversy at all times. Like, honestly, if you want to watch one, watch it. If you want to watch the other, watch that. But who gives a hoot? Why do we have to have shock, damnation and bloody, you know, hand-wringing? It's just, it's some games of sport. Like, there's cricket on that night. There's other sports that people watch. You know, the Breakers or the Phoenix are playing for golf. Probably, I've got no idea. But, like, if you want to watch yeah. something, watch it. If you don't, don't. And that's the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and stop telling us what we should watch and stop trying to make out that if we don't watch it, somehow we're anti-women or a misogynist. I am just over it. Let it organically grow. Stop trying to inflate it. Let's just enjoy it for what it is and let's move on because it's actually the political environment around this women's sport, Women's World Cup at the moment, is actually detrimental to it. Mm, all right. Uh, lastly, gentlemen, Super Rugby. Uh, next year, apparently, there's no point in watching it. Uh, uh, Liam McDonald has confirmed that the All Blacks will have a game time carefully managed ahead of the World Cup. So it's going to be Blues A versus Crusaders A and maybe the Chiefs B versus Highlanders C at different times. Uh, Mark, I mean, we have, we've had enough of this in the past. Do we, do we really need any more? No, well, I've already talked today about the erosion of club rugby. MPC is basically club rugby now. It's just a made-for-TV product. No one's spinning up to watch that. And now super rugby, the crowds are diminishing. I can't think of a competition anywhere in the world where our players, where the top players just don't play. Can Ian Foster and these guys tell me how rest and rotation and pulling players out of super rugby this year helped the damn All Blacks when they lost four tests? Can someone tell me how it helped us when we lost the semi-final of the Rugby World Cup in 2019. Stop the PowerPoint presentations. Get rid of the sports scientists. Turn up every week. By the time they pick up an injury anyway, they'll miss enough damn rugby. But just play the damn game. Because all we're doing is putting all our eggs in the basket and we're just making it all about the All Blacks. And now the All Blacks are losing. We're just saying, oh, judge us on the World Cup. So we've reduced rugby once every four years. I have had a guts full. And I'm just not sure who the clowns are running this game. But what part of this don't they Get. Yeah, what part of it don't they get? Hamish, it seems a weird one to me that you'd pull players out of Super Rugby uh, for rest and rotation and then throw them into a game against the Springboks, the biggest, physical, most physical team in the world, two weeks out from the World Cup. I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of people, a lot of Kiwis still have PTSD from that Snayman hit on Brody Retallick that just about ruled him out of 2019. Look, as I alluded to before, I, I watch... The All Blacks for professional purposes. I'm not a fan. I wouldn't watch otherwise. Um, I shouldn't say this out loud, but the only game of Super I watched last year, or this year, was the final. Um, give me South Canterbury against Wanganui at Pleasant Point every day of the week, or Napier Old Boys Maris against Hastings Rugby and Sports. Like, I just don't care. Like, And they've made us not care because they have told us that the results don't matter, whether it's the All Blacks, whether it's Super Rugby, where you take people out to the results are meaningless. They're exhibition games, trial games, call them what you will, tune-ups. Like, they have taken all the meaning out of rugby and they cannot then turn around and expect us to watch and if they are going to make us watch then charge us less to go to the games and take a, a big chunk out of our TV subs because like we are getting such an inferior product and we, we're tired of it Yeah indeed I think you echo the sentiments of a lot there gentlemen thanks very much for being on the panel today go well and enjoy your weekend When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese tomato and aioli so we doubled it Chicken and Maccas, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.